Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Start of a new week with you at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us wherever you are listening, however you're listening. We're glad to have you along for the ride. If you want to be part of the show, we'd love for you to on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, period. Unlimited talk and text with 10 gigabytes of high-speed data, $45 per line with auto pay and paperless billing. Without auto pay, only 50 bucks a month. How's that for fine print? No bull. That's the real deal. Switch today at cspire.com slash real deal. Ooh, we got a lot to get to this afternoon. It was a lighter slate of college football this weekend, not just in the SEC, but across the country. Uh, and yet, we look up and 85% of the scheduled games this year have been played. If you're a glass-half-full person, then that feels like a bit of a win. If you're a glass-half-empty person, then you respond like the one person did to Greg McElroy's tweet over the weekend that said, that simply means we've had 352 super-spreader events. I mean, how about that as a way to look at life? That's tough. I would hate myself. Yeah, you would. I would. I mean, I. it is quite frustrating, though, to see. Um, and it's kind of inevitable because this is something we kind of knew was coming in one way or another. But the SEC is going to have to do some schedule shuffling and Ole Miss, Texas A&M gets postponed or probably canceled uh, this weekend because of one positive test. It just happened to be the right positive test at the wrong time, and it has caused Texas A&M to not be able to field a team. But For two weeks. For two weeks, one positive test has ended two games. It's just I, we, we kind of figured that something like this was going to come. I hope the SEC, and I don't think they will, but I hope they just kind of don't lay down like some people are starting to suggest that they do. Shuffle the schedule around. Get creative. Do what you have to do. If some games don't get played, that's okay. If some teams play nine, you got to live with it. But it is kind of sad to see. Games get canceled. It's unfortunate, but it's where we are. We are, as the schedule sits right now, now less than two weeks away from the Egg Bowl. We have a kickoff time, tentatively, for that ball game. It's going to be a 3 o'clock kick on SEC Network on the 28th. So uh, we're sitting here on the 16th. That's 12 days from right now, if things go as planned. Not a lot has gone as planned in 2020, so uh, I I think we probably do that in pencil as opposed to in Sharpie, but uh, we'll see. 
Brian, hey, Dad. You did not end up having to work this weekend. How was uh, how was your your Saturday and Sunday? It was great. First off, guys, you got to start including me on these group texts or emails. I did not know it was blue checked shirt day on on the yeah. show. I'm sorry once again. Everybody's got that J Crew Gingham shirt, man. I, I don't have that shirt. So you don't have they, this they don't, shirt. Every guy has I this would, shirt. If if J Crew makes my size, I'd be really surprised. <laughs> uh, but that said, I it was a, you know I watched a lot of football, and uh, that was about it. So. There there used to be an Instagram account. I don't I don't use Instagram anymore, but it was literally called that one J Crew Gingham shirt, and it was just pictures of men in the wild wearing this shirt and it would be like a subway in new york and four or five guys on the same subway train all wearing this shirt and stuff like that i can't believe you don't have one so is that a j crew gingham shirt no this is a a belk brand which is awesome it's like 17 dollars, and it looks like close enough i forget what it's called but it's that blue and white just gingham style shirt that everybody's got i just got it for a discount i suppose there you go I, I I, i am correct they do not offer my size at j crew so. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's why you weren't Large included is, on the text. I guess. Yeah, I must have known. I appreciate that. I, I you know, I could have figured something out. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we got plenty to unpack from Ole Miss in South Carolina. South Carolina, by the way, is now searching for a new coach. We we've talked about that possibility throughout the course of the season. I, I can't remember sometimes who says what or who predicts what. Was Will Muschamp being out this year one of the predictions that you two made? Definitely Brian Haydad. I mean, I've been saying it. I didn't think in the <laughs> COVID year it would happen. Him. But, man, $13 million. Imagine being so bad at your job that they just say, you know what, here's $13 million to never come back to work. I, mean, I, I long to be that bad at my job. Yeah, and I've I've heard so many different numbers. I've heard thirteen million. I've heard fifteen million. There was a story that came out a couple of weeks ago that said he would be owed over eighteen million if he was fired before January first. I don't know what the exact number is, but I do think it's eight figures with two commas. Yeah, and I, I understand how this situation works. I, I know that um, people, the well actually guy, had had your favorite on Twitter, decided to tell me as if I didn't know how these kind of buyout things work. However. If South Carolina is willing to find somebody that will pay 13, 15, or 18 million dollars for Will Muschamp to not coach at this school anymore, they better not cut a sport. And I know football's the only thing that matters. I, I'm aware of that. Football's the only thing that makes money. But there are still kids that are at your school to play sports that may not be going to college otherwise in some cases. And if you pay a coach, $15 million to go away, to not coach anymore, then you should have enough money to keep the track and field team alive. Absolutely. Yes, I agree with you in theory. It's it's out of principle, not because, again, I know how this works, and I know yeah. that football is what, what drives everything. But you sure. can't, in one press release, say – we felt like it was the right time to make a change in our football program. We will be giving Will Muschamp $15 million. And then in another press release... I know, by the way, we no longer have a men's golf team. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just out of principle, not out of yeah. functionality. No, you're right. You're right. But it also goes back to the whole, well, people don't pay money to watch the biology teacher teach. That's right. And 
So yeah, I mean, you got a perception issue, and you got a bunch of blue checkmark people and a, a lot of .edu people that are going to get all up in arms. But the reality is, college athletics is a business, and you have to make business decisions because. I think I feel confident in saying we are not forever going to be in 20 to 25% capacity stadiums. And if you want to fill those stadiums so that you can fill the coffers and pay for all of those other things, you've got to have a product that uh, people want to pay to see. And South Carolina currently is not a product that South Carolina fans want to pay to see. Um, no. We're going to. Question on the ceasefire text line is Must Champ still being played by Florida to go away? I think that is done. Uh, I think I saw Andy Staples or heard them. say what? They got eight million out of them though. Yeah. So, so South Carolina is paying almost double for him to go away than Florida? Twenty one million dollars total to just get out and never come back. Yeah. And he will get another job. It's going to be a while before he gets another head coaching job, I would think, certainly at the major level. And he might not ever get another Division One head coaching job. But guess what? He's pretty good defensive mind, and somebody's going to pay him seven figures to be a defensive coordinator. And maybe he takes a year off. Maybe he takes a couple of years off. Maybe he's working again somewhere next season. I, I, I don't know. He does have your reputation as being a good recruiter and as being a good defensive coordinator. That. Must champ to Hattiesburg. Let's go. Well, I have a feeling uh, there's one coach in Tuscaloosa that's not really thrilled about how his defense has played the last few years that might be looking for somebody like him. Could be. Certainly there are options out there. But I'm kind of pulling this page out of Haydad's book. Somebody gives me eight figures to go away. I might hang out for a little while. You'd never see me again. Tom in Carthage says, if somebody gave me $13 million to leave, I would not want another job. (laughs) You're not kidding. You can get a private island in the Bahamas for like $5 million, man. Call it a day. Is that the Pablo Escobar island or no? No, that one was around 10, if I remember correctly. Okay. It had some size to it. And again, let's let's, let's be aware that he's, he's got, you know, he got eight million out of Florida. What was he making at South Carolina the past four years? You know, three and a half, four million a year. He's got money. Got a beautiful lake house outside of Columbia. Start a too, podcast so. and call it a life. Will just just enjoy yourself. Jeff in Oxford says rumor is Jimbo Fisher might offer him the defensive coordinator job at Texas A and M. I mean, I guess that's possible, but they kind of like Mike Elko, don't they? Elko's yeah. been doing well there. Yeah, hey, so, they're a I'm playoff contender right now. They I absolutely the are. Get, get on there, Will. We have a new Masters champion, a dominating performance over the weekend by Dustin Johnson. We will get into that a little bit this afternoon. We'll talk about what happened in the SEC, but when we come back, we will look at Ole Miss and South Carolina from Saturday night in Oxford. It was nothing if not entertaining, and uh, we'll unpack it next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Monday afternoon with you. Try that again. Monday afternoon with you here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, thanks for being with us. Saturday night in Oxford, 59 42 
was the final. couple of two and four teams hooking up at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss gets the win. They move to three and four on the year. South Carolina falls to two and five, and they made a coaching change yesterday. What was Ole Miss's three point percentage? Must have shot the lights out. Yeah. They just, they just dominated on the glass. That's all you need to Got do. Got some rebounds. Boy, for, I don't Frank know. Martin was hot after that game. He couldn't have been as hot as Will Muschamp was going That's into true. halftime, though. Whew. Hey, he it's had reason Musch- to. Now, they're, they're definitely. Those two up. That's just a shame. There definitely was one second on the clock when Snoop Connor yep. stepped out of bounds. He should have stepped out of bounds much earlier than he did, but that's something they'll probably address in the film study. But Will Muschamp had every right to be furious at that behind-the-back incompletion that they did not review. Knee was clearly down, and that should have never happened. It felt for a long time like that field goal was going to be really, really big in terms of the final score outcome. Turned out not to be, as Ole Miss um, got a couple of stops late in the ballgame, which is something that they had not done for the entirety of the game. In the postgame show, when we were going through all the stats, did kind of the scoring summary, and I mean, it's like, all right, deep breath, South Carolina touchdown, Ole Miss touchdown, Ole Miss touchdown, South Carolina touchdown, Ole Miss touchdown, South Carolina touchdown, Ole Miss field goal, whoo, halftime. That's what it was. And then if you thought the scoring was done, you were badly mistaken. (laughs) There were um, uh, Our good friend Bruce Marshall thought that the under was the right play in this ballgame. Turned out not to be the case. If you don't bat a thousand in that business, it's a two part process. Is Ole Miss playing? Yes. Do you bet the over? Yes. Simple (laughs) as that. Doesn't matter who they're playing, bet the over. To your point, though, and it's it's worth noting, even though the defense was atrocious and Lane Kiffin seemed to be pretty hot about that earlier today, uh, I think he compared it to peewee football and Mm -hmm. said it was an embarrassment that they couldn't even line up against an I formation, which isn't difficult to do in his opinion. But each team, in their final three possessions, Ole Miss ended touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. South Carolina was... uh, Punt, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. Yeah, and there's your difference. There's your ball game, and that's why it's 17 points. Game of chicken. Ole Miss didn't flinch. Yeah. Here were some of the team numbers in this game. South Carolina had 318 yards rushing. Uh, Kevin Harris has been good, and Michael Borky... Or is good, and Michael Borky's been telling you that for a while. Yeah, but he he's not a first not down per good. carry good. <laughs> no, no, he averaged nine point eight per carry. I believe it was nine point seven per carry in the ball game. Ole Miss good enough on the ground. One hundred ninety five yards rushing in the ball game. They were pretty balanced through the air though. Five hundred thirteen passing yards. Another school record for Matt Corral as he is the first player to ever throw for five hundred yards in a game for Ole Miss. He was twenty eight. Of 32. In the last two games, Matt Corral has gone 31 of 34, 28 of 32. He has seven incompletions, 10 touchdowns, and no interceptions in the last two games in which he has played. Don't care who the opponent is. I was about to say the exact same thing. It does not matter. And that's what Lane Kiffin said to me after the game. He said, like, mate, He said, you you can't do that against air in practice. Somebody drops something. Somebody, yeah. Here's a number for you. Elijah Moore, who, by the way, didn't know he was a running back until Saturday night, 
He had six carries and 13 receptions. And to me, the thing that's most impressive about the 13 receptions, it was 13 receptions on 13 targets. He caught every single ball that came his way. 13 catches, 225 yards, two touchdowns, and maybe the most difficult catch he had of the game was the one where he was more wide open. 30 yards clear of the closest defender, and he had to stop and wait on the football to get there. I, I I I like to think I understand football. I really do. But and, and look, if if Braylon Sanders or 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 Mingo or any other Ole Miss receiver catches that ball, that's blown coverage. It happens, right? How does Elijah Moore <laughs> just get to take a free release right down the middle of the field? How is there not somebody that goes? That's my guy. I gotta guard him. I gotta be on him. How and does I that don't even care happen? What else happens? I don't on care. The field. I don't care what else. Yeah. I mean, Ole Miss always has a guy like that, you know, AJ or DK or Laquan, or even go back to Dante Moncrief. There's got to be one guy you're like, that guy is covered. I don't care about everybody else. The it's the impossible. old cliche, the old cliche is if he goes to the bathroom, you'd be standing there to hand him toilet paper. Exactly. What was it, Hoosiers? I want to know what kind of gummies chewing is dentine. Yes, I need, I need to know. And no, but no, Elijah Moore. Now, with that said, with that said. If all you watched was the ball on that play, you're like, holy cow, how did he get that wide open? Oh, Talked yeah. to Matt Corral yeah, after the game on Saturday night, and he kind of explained that play. They audibled at the line because they saw a coverage that they liked. It's something that they had prepared for. And Corral, who said, I knew Elijah was going to get open. I wasn't worried about that. So when he took the snap, he looked to his right, and he gave a full pump fake to his right. And it drew the safety over, and my goodness, did it draw the safety over because 30 yards down the field all by himself was number eight. And he did. He had to wait on the ball. Yeah. Matt Matt told me, I asked him, I said, uh, Matt Corral, I said, is that a throw you're more nervous about? He said, a little bit. He said, because you don't want to underthrow it, but you certainly don't want to overthrow it. It's like just get it out there to him. And that ball was hanging in the air, and, and that's one of those where you're going, oh, please catch it. Oh, please catch it. <laughs> because he could have moonwalked into the end zone. Yeah. the uh, I mean, obviously that wasn't a, a, quote, impressive throw because he was so wide open, but that 65-yard bomb to Braylon Sanders, I, th- this isn't hyperbolic. I said it yesterday, and a, a guy texted in and was like, you're, you know, that's not true. No, there are guys that started yesterday that cannot make that throw. Multiple guys, plural, that started yesterday in the NFL that can't make that throw. At least not at this point in their careers. Right. I don't know if Breeze ever could, to use yeah. that as an unfortunate example, considering his injury. But well, we could go, and, we could and go and a that's a That's a 57-yard reception. That's what it goes ah, down okay. in the books. But it, No, no, no. But your, your point is... is Accurate because it's not like Matt Corral was standing at the line of scrimmage. He was at the shotgun, out of the shotgun. You know, takes a couple of steps back after receiving the snap, steps into it. So it was sixty-five yards in the air on a dime into a five-gallon bucket. If he was holding one, yeah. yeah. Talk about a recruiting miss. I mean, as bad as Georgia's offense is, how does Elijah Moore get away from Georgia? He was committed to them. Yeah, they, they went did, a they different direction on signing day, basically. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a one you want to do over on. 
Yeah, and and there are always outliers, right? I mean, Nick Saban is is one that is famous for you've got to fit and and look, it's worked quite well for Nick Saban. But if you're going to be a cornerback, then you've got to be between you know this height yeah. and this height and this weight range. That's what we target for corners. This is what we target for safeties. This is what we target for wide receivers. I am certainly not going to be one to question the recruiting philosophy for Nick Saban. Again, it's done quite well, thank you very much. But there are outliers. Because Elijah Moore, coming out of high school, at what, 5'7", maybe? 5'6", 5'7", 5'8", not huge. He doesn't fit a, okay, this is an SEC wide receiver profile. But he is an outlier. And... Lane Kiffin talked in his press conference today. He made the reference today. He's like, Elijah Moore is going to make a lot of money next year. I, I don't know what the NFL comp is for him, but the NFL likes guys that can do a lot of things. Yeah. And he can do like a lot of Tyree things. Tyreek Hill. He doesn't have that kind of speed, but you know, a guy who can give you a little something in special teams, can run the football, can can catch the short pass and turn it into a long game, but can also go deep. I mean, he's got a, he's got some options there. That's probably the of course best he goes comp. To, if he goes to Georgia, Joe Moorhead and Matt Luke might still be roaming the sidelines here, so we don't know. Elijah Moore <laughs> has now gotten three coaches fired. He's the new Sylvester Croom. <laughs> mm. We'll look That's at some more of the numbers and talk a little bit more about the way he the game bored. unfolded. <laughs> Plus some of Lane Kiffin's comments. Um, Borky alluded to some of what he said about the defense. We'll give you those exact quotes coming back in just a little bit. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Glad to be with you on this Monday. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Got several questions coming in on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Rusty says, Richard, what is the story on the signature on the sidelines? I was on the east side, couldn't read it. That's from Rusty in Hattiesburg. Rusty, that is, uh, it's kind of a script. It, it looks like a signature, but it says Stronger Together. That was the um, joint campaign from all the Mississippi colleges and universities. We talked about that when we were in Hattiesburg. That uh, When Southern Miss on that Thursday night opened the season, which feels like a long time ago. Um, that was when the release yes. came out from all the schools at the uh, exact same time where they rolled out the Stronger Together initiative, and it was a way to kind of try to bring all the schools together uh, in support of uh, – I mean, it was when all the social justice initiative stuff was going, and they thought that that would be a very non-controversial way to say that uh, all of the Mississippi universities are, you know – Playing hard together. I'm not sure that I summed that up very well, but that's what it says on the uh, sideline. Um, somebody made an observation about fourth downs. If you're just now starting to watch Ole Miss football, then uh, you may be like, whoa, they go for it on fourth down a lot. Went for it four times on fourth down on um, on Saturday night, and we're 4-4. Four that is simply a function of what Lane Kiffin does. 
If you go all the way back to his introductory press conference back in December, he talked about we're going for it on fourth downs and it's going to be analytics-based. I actually asked him about that on uh, on Saturday night in the postgame show, and I, I said, I know analytics plays a role. Is there feel to it? Is it, you know, et cetera? And he said it's primarily analytics. He said sometimes there's a little bit of gut that goes along with it, but fourth and ten, not afraid to go for it. Fourth and eight at your own 46 or the opponent's 39, whatever it is, not afraid to go for it. And they've been really, really successful. And I think part of the success, think about when traditionally you see teams decide to go for it on fourth down. And I say traditionally, I mean, maybe you've got to rewind a few years. But so many times if a team is think about thinking about going for it on fourth down, they will end up burning a timeout before they run a play, or it will take a little bit longer to get the play call in, and then maybe they convert it or not, or they don't. There is absolutely zero hesitation from Lane Kiffin when he makes a fourth down call. And if they don't get it, so be it. And they went for it on fourth down a bunch against Arkansas and didn't convert several times. Um, had some fourth down plays against Auburn where they went for it, didn't convert. They just happened to go four for four on, on Saturday night. But I think there's something to the just staying in the rhythm offensively you're in, not to mention how much confidence they've got in Matt Corral to make the right play. It's just what you said earlier. Nothing drives me crazier watching a football game where it's an obvious situation where you should go for it, and they're taking their time, and they're looking at the team, and they end up burning a timeout. Just go for it. Why would you allow the defense a chance to talk about it? So, yeah, yeah this is Kiffin's playing smart football there. If you're going to go for it, go for it. Have, a, have an identity, commit to it, and go. And it's funny to see situations where analytically you know it's telling them not to go for it on fourth down. And it, what they only punted one time on Saturday, but during the season, the offense, no matter what, like if if they get stopped on third down, they look to the sidelines like, all right, coach, like what, what what's next? What's next? And then they have to get off the field. I've noticed that a few times this year. They expect to go for it. I think there's a confidence that goes along with that too, not just in the play calling, but in the players. I mean, it's like we don't care. It's like a really good two strike hitter. You know, forever you've heard. Well, you get two strikes on you. You got to change your approach. You got to choke up on the bat, and you're looking to go the other way. That's not what they do. They're still swinging for the fences on fourth down, or or at least looking to hit a line drive up the middle. Uh, you know, they're not afraid to throw the ball down the field on fourth down if necessary. And, to your and what point. was it? It was what Ole Miss was up ten, and had it fourth and eleven at the twenty-five. They could have kicked a field goal there, and if the field goal goes in, it becomes a two-score game. You require South Carolina to have to score two touchdowns. But up 10, there's still a two-score game. It's just a field goal and a touchdown. No hesitation whatsoever. And a pretty unbelievable route where, again, the defense lost Elijah Moore. I mean, hey, Dad, it's one thing to say, okay, you lost Elijah Moore on that busted coverage play, and it went 91 yards, and he got behind everybody. How does he get behind everybody on 4th and 11 fourth and where 11. he runs a seam route? Yeah, And it that just, was after earlier in the game this, they lost Elijah Moore on a 4th and 8. Yeah, This is why Will Muschamp is unemployed today. 
because his team has given up on him and they were allowing – I mean, well, watch him as a defensive coach. You know, if, if, if things had played out the way I thought they were here at Mississippi State this year and, and the offense was good and the defense was bad, okay, that's great. But because Leach is an offensive coach, everybody's looking at it side-eyed, as they should. Muschamp's a defensive coach. Their last three games they've given up, what, 54, 48, and 59? He's got to go. That's why, that's why he's not employed today. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Um... Shaq Bully in Biloxi. He says, I was in the Delta last week and was listening to Reb Talk. That's the Thursday night coaches show. He says, in your honest opinion, is Kiffin a touchy interview subject? Shaq Bully, I'm not entirely sure what you're answering there or what you're asking there. Um I I will I, I can only speak to like my experience. And my experience is for the first football game of the season, we had inter- we had had him as a guest on on this show one time, and it was fine. I didn't feel like we learned a whole lot and whatever. So for we interview the head coach live in pregame, and then I interview him postgame. And in the pregame interview, he was forty five minutes late, which okay, his prerogative. We'll move things around. And after about three questions, it was clear that he was done. Like, I could ask more questions and he'd give me an answer, but there was not going to be anything insightful. And in the post game, it was just kind of, yeah, whatever. Since then, he has been much better with me. And I honestly think it's just a familiarity thing. It's like, oh, I, I know who this guy is. I'll talk yeah. to him. You know, he's not looking for a gotcha moment or anything like that. I think he's gotten much better in that coach's show setting as well. He's comfortable with David Kellum, and he understands that he's kind of playing to the audience there. I do think that it still stands that with regard to local media, and and he's never said this. I mean, it's just kind of reading between the lines. I don't think that Lane Kiffin thinks that there's a lot that local media can do for him. He is a different person in his weekly press conferences with the people that cover the beat on a daily basis than when he is doing an interview with Dan Patrick or Colin Cowherd or a podcast with the guys from Barstool, PFT and Big Cat or whatever. It's a different side of him, but he also knows he's playing to a much larger audience. And one of the things that he talked about in his his press conference today, and I I thought this was... um, I thought it was very telling, but this is not new news. He's not hiding this. He says, exciting game, fun for the fans. One of the goals is to play so when people watch us, they want to come play here and have excitement and tempo and jerseys and everything, and that went well. He approaches interviews the same with the same mentality. When he's got a great big national audience – you get the the lighter, easier going side of Lane Kiffin, where the personality really comes through, because he's selling. He they didn't score fifty nine the other night just because oh it's fun to score fifty nine that that's fun. He's trying to build a roster full of guys that will allow them to do that on a consistent basis going forward. I thought what he said about Elijah Moore was outstanding. He said he had 14 touches at halftime. 
He got the ball the first four plays of the game. Why? Because he's the best player, and you got to figure out a way to get the best player the ball. He went on in his uh, in his press conference today to talk about the fact that he said, I got to Bama and Julio Jones had only touched the ball 70 times. You have great players. You give them the ball. We gave Elijah time off on Wednesday to make sure he had his legs under him. Lane Kiffin, very much a guy that says, what's the best weapon that I've got? Oh, it's number eight. Okay, how can I get the ball to him more than I get the ball to anybody else? It's not a democracy. It's a dictatorship. We're going to decide who gets it the most because he can do the most for us. Shaq Willie, I don't know if I answered the question that you were asking or not, but that's the best way I knew how to ask it. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. I haven't seen the updated numbers. I guess I could open it up on my phone. But the SEC Network tweeted the video where Jordan Rogers broke down the play sheet toss. Everybody's calling it a clipboard toss. Well, that's your buddy Tom's fault. Because he said clipboard? He said clipboard at least 30 times during the game. I just learned that Tom Hart played college football this weekend, too. Where did he play? He did not. That's, I saw somebody tweet that said that that was the only trio in the conference that where everybody played college football. Him, Jordan, and Cole. Tom went to the University of Missouri, did not play football. You mean somebody on Twitter was wrong? <laughs> Go figure. I do appreciate that crew more than any other crew that regularly calls SEC games. They sprinkle in like local knowledge of the teams they cover. I don't know if it's something like they emphasize or it's just they have have happened to fall into that being a nice touch. But like if you're watching them call a Kentucky game, they make references involving Kentucky that I don't understand because I'm not a Kentucky fan. But you know Kentucky fans are like, Hey, they get me. They do that with Ole Miss and with when they're on either one of the games here. They make references to Oxford and places in town that somebody that's never been there doesn't get. But if you're an Ole Miss fan or a State fan watching them call games, it's like they, they're calling them for you, for both teams. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Did it last weekend in Fayetteville with um, with the Arkansas game? Do it in Baton Rouge? Yeah, that's 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 not an accident. At all. Um, so when I looked yesterday afternoon, I guess it was yesterday evening, the uh, the video clip on the SEC Network had 2.7 million views. 2.7 million? That's a lot of people watching that particular clip. The better one was... Uh, and it getting retweeted a lot. Yeah. The better one was the... the- fourth and 11 touchdown that really sealed the game to make them go up 17 when he accidentally threw his play sheet into the stands <laughs> and an assistant had to go up into the stands to yeah. take it from the person that caught it that's better than the Elijah the uh the up in the straight air up thing. into the air yeah my wife did was- tell me uh, we got a message on the ceasefire text line that said the announcers would not shut up about the clipboard toss they would not I said that yeah my correct. wife said the same thing I thought it was a solo cup when I first saw it. I figured you're at Ole Miss. <laughs> Somebody f- flung a solo cup half full of whiskey. But no, it was the, the play sheet. Yeah. 
Which, if you think about it, it's just like it's a piece of cardstock that's heavily laminated. Yeah. You can't throw a Frisbee that far sometimes. The craziest thing about that is not only is the quarterback still holding the football, Mm -hmm. his quarterback's right foot is on his own two-yard line, and he's got hands up in the air. He knew. It's crazy. Well, and it wasn't so much... So, so what happened there? They they audibled at the line. Yeah, that was a corral. And the audible thing. came from Lane Kiffin. He said it was corral after the game. I thought. Yeah, I'm sure he did. He whistles, and Matt Corral has he knows what that whistle sounds like, and so if he gives a whistle, Corral looks to it. They checked at the line based on the coverage they had, and then they got exactly what they wanted. That's one of the things we talked about. You, you remember we were talking about the Vanderbilt game a couple of weeks ago where he was so mad at halftime? Like, you remember the, the play right before the half where Ole Miss didn't score the touchdown pass with, like, I don't know, eight seconds left or something like that? And he was furious coming off the field. And it wasn't because they didn't catch the ball. It was because they got the exact look they wanted audible to a specific play and then didn't execute it. And it's almost like there's a game there. I mean, that that's like a different level of offensive thinking. Certainly not one I'm capable of. I don't know. Maybe you guys are offensive masterminds and you see those things. But I, I think the, I think generally speaking, like even the most locked-in football fans are not seeing things exactly the same way a coach or a quarterback is seeing them. Oh, yeah. Right. And so it's like, okay, we have prepared specifically for this. If we get this look, then we can change to this. They check to a play and then let it fly. And that was the – it's like that's a win for him, which is pretty fascinating to me. In 2027, when we we can have full stadiums again, does that whistle thing work in Baton Rouge? (laughs) Like, Do you think you'll be able to hear that in a full Tiger stadium? I think it works the exact same way – it's the reason that you see quarterbacks clap at the line of scrimmage because that is a different sound that even in like a cacophony of noise, you can pick that one sound out. You know, it's like a, it's a, a different pitch level and your ears able to hear it. I, I don't know. That's just me thinking. Hey, we got winners and losers coming up. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? You can text us yours on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. We'll be right back. Clock hour with you on this Monday on Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Ceasefire text line is always open 601 879 4395. Want double the data for the same dang price? Now, all prepaid by Ceasefire plans get double the high speed data through the end of the year. No bull, just better wireless. Learn more at ceasefire.com slash prepaid. It is time right now for winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. 
Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. So, winners and losers from the weekend, what did you like, what did you not like? Let's start on the golf course. The 2020 Masters that was unlike any other Masters saw a new scoring record set by Dustin Johnson. He went 65-70-65-68 to finish five shots clear of both Cam Smith and Sung J.M., the 20 under par, total of 268, was a new scoring record uh, clear of the previous number by a couple of shots. Previously, it was 18 under par. DJ was fantastic yesterday. You've uh, got the lead going into the round, I guess a four-shot lead. You actually increase that lead on the final day. He is a guy that does have evidence in his past of uh, not being able to close the deal, and that was anything but the case yesterday. Piped the driver, great with the wedge game, made putts, and really emotional when it was over. So I'll go two-part winner from Augusta. Dustin Johnson is the big winner. And then how about the low amateur? You cheater. Andy Ogletree from Union, Mississippi, qualified for the Masters by winning the USAM in 2019. You win or you finish second in the U.S. Amateur, then you get an invitation to play at Augusta. He was the low amateur. He got the uh, the small trophy that goes for that. Think about how cool it would be. He was in Butler Cabin for the trophy presentation. Andy Ogletree is the low amateur. Tiger Woods there to put on the green jacket on this year's winner, Dustin Johnson. That is a moment that can perhaps never be replicated, and he was outstanding. And that was after he was four over through four holes to start the tournament back on Thursday afternoon. And, oh, by the way, have reached out and are hopeful that at some point this week we will be able to talk to Andy here on Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll see. All right. Who else? What else? Well, you stole that one. Thank you. It's um, My bad. It's pretty wild that the world number one and was playing the best golf of his career and better than anybody in professional golf going into this tournament was an afterthought because of the Bryson factor. I mean, how many people, aside from when it came down to picking a winner, people picked DJ, but none of the talk was about him going into the tournament because uh, Bryson, in his press conference leading up to the event, said that 67 was going to be his par, and everybody was wondering if he was just going to play gorilla golf and just hit the ball a mile through the course, and yet here's the world number one who said, I don't need to add any more distance. I'm good there. I'm going to focus on my short game wins in dominating fashion. It's crazy how we forgot about the best player in the world. If Parr had been 67, as Bryson DeChambeau iterated that it was, Dustin Johnson would have been even par for the week. And still would have won the golf tournament. Wow. Um, on that note, uh, a winner. The the technology that the Masters used, not just the drone shots and stuff, that was really cool, and, and I'm glad they incorporated that. But the things they did differently this year, 
when you add that and then letting College Game Day be on their grounds, which is an atypical thing, and I love the the crossover events. We need to do more of that. It was everything I hoped it would be. It was mostly college football. They sprinkled in a little Masters. The, the, the scene was incredible. Send Ernie, Charles Barkley, and Shaq to the Super Bowl. Give me more stuff like this where the best personalities in a given sport do a crossover event at one of the biggest events in a different sport. I want to see those the inside the NBA guys at the Super Bowl. That kind of stuff. Terry Bradshaw, put him on the set at College Game Day for a Saturday. Mix and Wait, match I, hold it. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. That can't be right, Morgan. Because I thought that College Game Day being at the Masters was self-serving and showed that they didn't actually care about the, the game of college football. See, and then the, the people's suggestion, and this is going to be a little callous of me, so forgive me, but there, there were people suggesting, well, they should have been at Marshall. And as sad of a story as that is, and an important day for that college football program, college game day is all about hype, energy, promotion, Fun, happy. That's what College Game Day is. These rah-rah stories and, yeah, football Saturday. Three hours centered around the most tragic event in the history of the sport. As a decision-maker and a producer of that show, I think would have been a bad decision. Because it it runs counter to what that show's about. If that makes sense. Plus, in 2020, we kind of need a... A little bit of a, of a respite at this point, right? We need a little good time more than the, the memories of the bad time. How big of a check would you write for one of those Masters football helmets? <laughs> oh, man. Less than you. I know that. It was fun, though. I would love to see more of that stuff. I would finance <laughs> that if necessary, by the way. <laughs> Put me on a payment plan. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Uh, Kyle Trask. Seeing his numbers next to Burroughs from a season ago and realizing, man, he's only played SEC games. Yeah, I've been I've been sort of on the, the Mac Jones maybe as the Heisman winner. I might need to change that up. Now, they'll go head-to-head, and that'll probably – I don't know. Will the Heisman be decided by then? I I, I don't know. It will not. Know what, the so Heisman then, Trophy ceremony is going to happen virtually from ESPN's Bristol Studios in January. Then that could be a uh, an eliminator game if you will, but Trask is playing some incredible football. They they just destroyed Arkansas, and that was the, the SEC's top pass defense. We saw what they did to Corral, and just just 63 points. So, I mean, yeah, Kyle Trask is is, is playing at a, a, an incredibly, incredibly high level right now. What else? Losers? Uh, how much time do we have? Because there's a bunch anybody of who, Anybody who has Nick Chubb in fantasy football would have been my first one. <laughs> The was, New Orleans Saints are are a oh. huge loser, uh, and it's unfortunate. But uh, so I, I guess you could have put Breeze on the winners category as well because he started the game yesterday with at least one cracked rib, and he played in the game. He took a nasty hit. It shouldn't have been a penalty. It was called a roughing the passer. That's not roughing the passer. That's football. Either way, we have now learned that he finished the half, including orchestrating his patented two-minute drill for an end-of-half touchdown to Alvin Kamara with at least five cracked ribs and a collapsed lung. And he led that touchdown drive, dropped the snap, had to pick it up, 
and then quick turn to his left and hit Alvin Kamara, who was opening the end zone, with five cracked ribs and a collapsed lung. So he's a winner for that because that takes some toughness mm. that I couldn't fathom. And then the Saints are a loser because those five cracked ribs and collapsed lung, um, it might be a while. I mean, maybe even the playoffs before he can come back. And now it's Jameis time, which is funny but also terrifying at the same time. Hey, Daddy, you got a loser? Uh, I had Nick Chubb fantasy football winners. Other than that, um, in a way, Mike Leach, when you see every team in the SEC score more than 30, 35 or more points yesterday, it really sort of puts it into perspective what's happening at Mississippi State, the, the inability to score. You know, I mean, you had negative 20 yards rushing on Vanderbilt. I don't know how many Kentucky had, but it was more than that. Uh, but Vandy, at the same time, as team you scored two points on. Uh, Vandy is able to get 35 on the board. I mean, that, that's, that's really, and then you watch Ole Miss and then the way they're moving offensively, even as bad as Ole Miss is defensively, you know, you're not going to run the football on them and take advantage of their, their biggest weakness. So yeah, Mike Leach watching football yesterday had to just sort of look at it and go, what am I doing a little bit? Did see a funny, uh, tweet from, you might know who it is. It's a prominent Mississippi State Twitter account anyway. It said Mike Leach trying to run the football against that Ole Miss defense, and it was the video of Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec Swanson trying to eat a banana. banana. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be something to watch. If it, there are some other analogies yeah. that would uh, perhaps go along with that as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can say any of them on the radio, though. All right, we'll get to your winners and losers. You can text them to us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. We'll continue with that in just a couple of minutes. From the weekend, Ceasefire text line is open 601-879-4395. Let's see here. Uh, Hammy. Winner. Everyone who tries to play golf. We all saw Tiger take that 10 on the par 3. And it certainly is a confidence booster when the best have those amateur moments. Yeah, that was similar the most message. relatable he's ever been. Yeah. Uh, similar message, loser, Ty Wu shooting a 10. Ty Wu, I don't know that I've ever heard to Tiger Woods referred to quite like that, but fair enough. I thought what was cooler than the fact that he made a 10 on number 12, one of the most iconic holes in golf was what he did after that, where he made four birdies coming in. Pretty darn impressive. Yeah. There's still a little juice left. I just hope he can put it together somewhere special. Uh, Tony and Claris is my winner. Drum roll, Sports Talk Mississippi. It's the only reason I like Mondays. You guys are back. I guess I would be the winner then, huh? Right, we'll take it however you want to give it. Thanks. Tony, very much. Winner, the best team in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals. 
How fun was the finish to that game? Wonder what Pretty Bill cool. O'Brien thought when when that happened. If only I had one of those. Wait, what? He didn't have any of those right now. Oh, DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, when DeAndre yeah. Hopkins yeah, I was thinking about the Kyler, Moore, uh, Kyler Murray piece of it, yeah. Oh, no. No, the, the guy that caught a Hail Mary in between three defenders would have been nice, probably. Maybe kept his job. Uh, Mike says winner's Luke Logan for nailing the field goal at the end of the half. It's got to instill a little confidence. Dickie Frazier in Mantachi says, Winner, Hugh Freeze, get back in the SEC at South Carolina. There are some mixed feelings about that over there. I mean, as to be expected, I guess, but uh, I've talked to a lot of people over the last couple of days. I mean, you knew this was coming on Saturday during the game, so that's when it started, but it is either I don't want that clown anywhere close to my program, Ray Tanner should be fired if he hires him, or... Please, God, Ray Tanner, hire Hugh Free so we can win football games again. Just hand him a blank check. And there's he should no be fired if we don't hire him. Yeah. Bowen Gulfport's his biggest winner, Harrison Central High School, for winning their first playoff football game since 1991. Go Big Red. Congratulations, Bo. That's awesome. That's really cool. Winners, all previous Masters winners waiting at 18 for Dustin Johnson to congratulate him. And how about his emotion? You never see stuff like that from him, ever. And you know what I thought was coolest about that? What's the the lady's name, the woman's name that was interviewing him on the green after the game? Is that Amanda Balionis? I think that's right. She's with CBS. Yeah, it's yeah. the last name's something like that. Yeah, you, no, you're right. You're right. It's Amanda Valionis. And she asked him a question, and he got choked up, and he couldn't answer. And she let it play, and then she followed up with something that was, was new to me. Right? So what what's Dustin Johnson's reputation? Party boy, care. hits it a mile, doesn't care, no emotion, Model slash superstar's daughter, fiance, just a dopey doe, dopey doe. And then she said something that said, Dustin, one of the things we knew coming into this was how badly your team around you wanted this for you because of how hard you work. That's a story that I don't think has been told. And if it's been told, it has not been told well, and it has not been told often enough. Because you look at Dustin Johnson, and he looks incredibly athletic, and you think he's just one of those guys with great hand-eye coordination and good strength, and he hits it a mile. And because of some of the missteps along the way that have cost him tournaments, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for being one of, if not the best golfer on the planet. He is wildly talented, but Borky, I've never heard anybody talk publicly before about his work ethic. No, and I, I would like to know more about it myself. Because it, it's like you said, it's all about it's about Paulina and 
uh, he, his friendship and not so much now because there's some friend drama between he and Brooks and his fiance and Brooks's girlfriend and they don't like each other and that's kind of all the story about him is all this superficial stuff. Yeah. I would like to know that as well. I mean, they're, they're golfers that have just have reputations for just being grinders when it comes to practice. Tiger Woods is one of them. Vijay Singh, his practice sessions at TPC Sawgrass, where you can look up and he's just, you know, he's hitting thousands of balls on the range. What's the old story? He has to replace his wedges uh, every 10 days or so because he grinds them down so bad how much he practices. You never heard that about Dustin Johnson before. And all he could get out was kind of between sniffles. I worked really hard. I thought it was compelling. All he could get out was, it's never been this hard for me to talk. And he apologized two or three times, and Amanda kept going, it's okay. You've earned the right. She tried to lighten the mood by saying, Bubba Watson showed us it's okay to have tears at Augusta. (laughs) Different kind of tears. Did this week make DJ infinitely more likable? I think so. Does it take him to a different place in terms of stardom? It should, because like you said, his story has always been big failure. You know? So this year was the 13th major that he has had a 54-hole lead on. And the previous 12, he won one. So that was his story, was major failure. And um, your buddy, Will Bardwell, who's been on the show before, has a golf blog, summed it up perfectly on Saturday night. He said, it's amazing what we let sports do to how we judge the people playing them. Because Dustin Johnson is world number one, major champion, having the best season that a golfer has had in years. And yet, if he doesn't win tomorrow... His legacy is solidified. He's a failure. But if he wins tomorrow, his legacy is solidified. Hall of Famer. One round, 18 holes, decades-long career, solidified his legacy. Yeah. Well, and he did it with an exclamation point. A um, few more winners on here. Winner, J.A. for defeating Prep. On Friday night. Winner. Oh, can't read that one. Sorry. Robert in Oxford (laughs) says, loser. Nine high school playoff games forfeited. I agree. That's tough. Uh, Dickey says, loser. Everyone in the SEC with freeze at Southern Cal. He means South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina. Loser. Media members having an issue with game day being at the Masters. This weekend was once in a lifetime. Masters in football will likely never happen again in our lifetime. I hope so. Somebody says, who is Dustin Johnson? How about this one from Josh? <laughs> Loser, the NFC East. First team to six makes the playoff. NFC East standings. Philadelphia Eagles, 3-5-1. and one. New York Giants, 3-7. and seven. Washington football team, 2-7. and seven. Dallas Cowboys, 
two and seven. Don't look now, but Joe Judge has those guys playing pretty well lately. Yeah. I mean, they're beating, or they've beaten two bad teams, but still, I mean. They won two in a row. Two in a row. And three out of four. Danny Dimes is looking a little bit better. Only one undefeated team in the NFL. That is the Pittsburgh Steelers. After that, only one division leader with only one loss. That is Kansas City. Chiefs lead the AFC West at 8-1. Steelers lead the AFC North at 9-0. Bills have got three losses. They lead the AFC East. Colts have got three losses. They lead the AFC South. Five losses leads the NFC East to the NFC North, to the NFC South, and three the NFC West. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. from the scheduled start of the college basketball season. Wednesday, November 25th, and we get news today from the NCAA that the NCAA tournament is going to happen, but it's going to look very different. Traditionally, we think of eight first-round sites with eight teams each scattered across the country. This year, the plan is one city to host it all, and that city likely is Indianapolis, which happens to also be the home city of the NCAA. $850 million. You see the press release today from the NCAA. There's a sentence in there that says, CBS Sports and Turner Sports will continue to distribute all 67 games of the tournament across TBS, CBS, TNT, and True TV and their digital platforms. So if you make the NCAA tournament this year, you're headed to Indy, it sounds like. Dan Wolken writes in a story that Lucas Oil Stadium, where the Final Four was originally scheduled to be held in 2021, and Banker's Life Fieldhouse, which is where the Indiana Pacers play, are potentially primary venues, but you've also got college arenas like Butler and IUPUI, plus multiple large high school gyms in the Indianapolis metropolitan area that could be used. And rather to uh, rather than trying to manage the logistics of eight first weekend sites and four regional sites across the country, The NCAA can control everything from food service to transportation to testing in one centralized location. This makes sense to you guys? That idea, yes. But thinking about the way the the conferences handle contact tracing and everything, I have no idea how we're going to play college basketball this year. None. I mean, if one positive test is canceling two weeks of of football for Texas A&M, what the heck does that do for a basketball team? Cost them four or five games. Seriously. And so that's something that I hope that college football doesn't have to address. I mean, bowl games aren't all that important. But what happens if the college football playoff is 10 days away and a Clemson player tests positive and he was in a team meeting for an hour watching film with eight other guys on his team? 
and then they were in close. You know, you know how this works. Do they just say Clemson forfeits their inevitable game against Ohio State or Alabama? And then when it comes to the NCAA tournament, when they're supposed to play, I mean, potentially two games in three days, that's something that I I hope that they are prepared for. I'm sure they are, but what do you do if a team has a couple of players that test positive a week before their scheduled NCAA tournament game? What do you do? I'm fascinated by Dan Mulkin's ability to write a column without taking a single shot at anyone for being irresponsible or, you know, the world is coming to an end. Oh, well, consider the subject matter. He's writing about something that the NCAA is doing. And so it's very straightforward. I mean, the closest thing to controversial that Dan Wolken writes is ultimately the only thing that matters for the short and long-term future of the NCAA is collecting that big check from CBS and Turner. By launching its plans for the tournament now, the NCAA is letting everyone know its survival is at stake. Wait, you mean like kind of the same reason that the SEC has moved heaven and earth to play football? Oh, but see, that's irresponsible. That was different, totally different. Yeah, totally, totally different. It- I don't even think that people like Dan Wolken realize what they're doing. Like, I don't think that he, like, consciously has an agenda to be for or against something. Is that naive to think that? No, I think you're right. They know, or they they believe deep down what they're doing is the right thing. That's the same publication that uh, ran a column, a scathing column, Uh, about Jack Nicholas not wanting to give advice to Donald Trump at his master's press conference. It's that publication. Same people that were mad when Jack Nicholas endorsed Donald Trump. Right. And then he he didn't want to talk about politics because I'm here to give my ceremonial starter press conference at Augusta. Not the time to talk about presidential elections. And that received a scathing column. They think what they're doing is... Like, freedom fighting is pure. Which is so bizarre because it's also the same publication that had a very thorough (laughs) and well-investigated report on LSU today. So how do you think... It's crazy how they think the little... The non-important things are so important when they're doing real, good, important journalism like they did today on LSU. It's crazy. When you said freedom fighters... I had a flashback to the Sports Center commercial from Y2K where Charlie Steiner had the tie <laughs> Steiner. around his head and he was holding the lantern and he said, Follow me! Follow me to freedom! <laughs> That's one of the best ones. <sighs> I miss Charlie Steiner. Well, he's not dead. He can still no, I know. Him. He's a Dodgers announcer now. I mean, I, I'm not going to listen to him, but yeah. Pretty good. He and Rick Monday do a pretty good job on the uh, Dodgers radio broadcasts. Uh, hey, Dad, tell me something. Be happy to. Is Mississippi State going to be in a position to play football on Saturday against the Georgia Bulldogs? Looks that way today. We'll find out you know, as we go along, but Mike Leach said in his press conference today that he plans to be playing Georgia on Saturday. Good. So, no need to I mean, move up the Egg Bowl a week, it looks like. Well, I mean... 
selfishly, I mean, you just got a weekend off. I didn't want a weekend off. I mean, yeah, I was I like, selfishly, I mean, maybe Georgia needs to quarantine for a week and we can Would shift it into Egg Bowl overdrive Let's do it. tomorrow. Yeah, but, but yeah, it looks, it, all things at this moment look like uh, State will be at Georgia. But, you know, I know that State's roster is sort of on a razor wire. And if, if Costello can't play and then Will Rogers, you know, turns his ankle, they're not going to Athens. So. We'll see what happens. Honest mm. question, because a lot of people are talking about this. And you know how it is sometimes with college football fans and talking about things. It's largely far-fetched. But there is a growing almost understanding now from every college football fan I've talked to personally over the last few days that there are there is at least one program in the SEC that is trying to find their way out of playing games. Do you buy any of that at all? That there is at least one program in the SEC that is trying, maybe not publicly, but trying to avoid playing certain games? You know about LSU? That's the intimation. Not one I'm making, because I don't buy it particularly, because... And you have people that think that Mississippi State's doing the same thing. I think Mike Leach is too darn stubborn to not play a football game that schedule. Oh, he wants to play. I mean, no matter what, that guy's playing ball. But I sort of talked about that on the podcast, that right now, State, man, just use these games as like practices. They're like scrimmages almost. Just get the reps. You need that more than anything else at this point. So, yeah, I don't think Mike Leach is trying to get out of games. LSU is interesting because, yeah. I mean, if you're Ed Orgeron, every loss just makes it harder for you next year. That's just another win you've got to find next year. So, and I mean, my God, they opened up as a two and a half point underdog to Arkansas. Try telling somebody that in August and see how their head explodes. I've got a buddy that says he thinks A and M is dodging games. See, I had somebody say the same thing to me earlier that Texas A and M's a playoff in? contender. They're they need pl- the wins though. They need some more wins. I mean, they need to finish. They need to finish the, the, nine and one. Here's the thing, though. If if you want to go with the idea that A and M is dodging games, which I don't really think is the case, but if you want to go with that idea, then why would A and M dodge Tennessee and Ole Miss? Yeah. Certainly. Why would they dodge Tennessee? Could it be? And this is all conspiracy, so I'm not saying this is the case. I don't know, but could it be? This is the this is the conspiracy that's out there, that there is a particular player for Texas A&M that would not have been available for these two games. That's what people are saying out there. I mean, I've heard and people say that Kellen Mond might would have been out. And if that's the case, maybe there's your answer, because the Texas A&M yeah, without Kellen Mond, they could lose against Ole Miss. Miss? I mean, against Ole Miss, you just hand the ball off to Spiller 40 times and you'll be fine. But, I mean, yes, I'm with you. But what is Isaiah Spiller going to do that hasn't already been done to Ole Miss? Najee Harris had five touchdowns. Zach Harris had five touchdowns. And Isaiah Spiller's not going to be that much more productive than either of those guys. question is whether or not they can keep Ole Miss from scoring. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be back. 
Quinn says, oh, it's getting hot in here. Love the way you guys cover LSU. Ha. And then he dropped in a little SMH shaking his head. I think Quinn's on the edge of being frustrated with Michael Borky's coverage of the LSU Tigers. Did you see my response? Mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> Borky, Borky responded on the ceasefire text line to Quinn by saying, uh, which hospital are they using this time? Oh. <laughs> Man, they're always going to recruit well there, though. I mean, it's it's this is a big offseason for them, too, because, I mean, obviously you have to move on from Bo Pelini. But you had a bunch of guys leave again. So this is kind of the second round of it. So you've got to make a really good hire, a defensive coordinator, and you've got to find a way to have some inexperienced guys become high-level players right away. Are we going to see any scheduling news this week? Like Keith Carter alluded to the fact that the final four weeks of the regular season could be very fluid. We have already, according to the SEC, added December 19th as a playing date for the teams that are not involved in the SEC championship game. I've kind of almost lost track of who has had games postponed or canceled and how many. So far... Is Ole Miss the only team that has not had at least one game postponed? Well, they have one this week. No, I mean prior to this. Florida has had one done. Georgia had it happen this past week against Missouri. Has Arkansas? Arkansas has not. Kentucky has not. Kentucky's been able to play everything. Missouri has. South Carolina has not. Tennessee did this past weekend. Vanderbilt has. Alabama did this past weekend against LSU. Arkansas has not. Auburn had their game with Mississippi State postponed this past week. Obviously, LSU did. Mississippi State, yeah. We're getting to a point where they're going to have to put priority on some games over others, aren't we? Yeah, you mentioned this last week. You know, the SEC talked about a little more flexibility going forward in terms of scheduling. I think there's a really good argument if it's about getting games in that if you've got two teams whose opponents are unavailable to play, like right now because of what's left on the schedule, what they put in, you you can only in a rescheduled situation, play an opponent who is on your schedule that you've not already played. I was talking with a buddy earlier today, and he said, you ought to be able to play anybody that's available, and said, I'm not even opposed to the idea of some rematches. If it's just about getting games in. So looking at the slate of games this week, this coming week, Florida at Vanderbilt. Georgia, Mississippi State in Athens. Alabama, Kentucky. South Carolina, Missouri. Tennessee, Auburn. Ole Miss supposed to go to A&M, so we know that A&M is out this week. 
So if, let's just say Tennessee's game at Auburn, something happened to that. Doesn't it feel like Ole Miss and Tennessee ought to be able to play? Yes. I can't think of a reason why not. If something happened with Missouri and South Carolina. I mean, I I can even be on board with, no, we're not going to do any repeats. That doesn't make any sense. But if for some reason South Carolina couldn't play this week, seems like Ole Miss, Missouri would make sense. I mean, I guess for that matter, if Mississippi State for some reason couldn't play against Georgia, Ole Miss and Georgia could play this weekend. But that's not part of the philosophy. So with only a couple of weeks remaining in the regular season, or a couple of games remaining, I guess Ole Miss has got three games scheduled still to be played. A&M this weekend in College Station, Mississippi State next weekend, and at LSU. And so with A&M unable to play, the way the guidelines came out last week from the SEC, the only two options for Ole Miss to play would be against Mississippi State or LSU if either of their opponents were unable to play, and we would have to know it by tonight, by 8 o'clock tonight. Doesn't sound like that's going to be the case either. It, it really doesn't. I mean, based on what Haydad said a second ago, sounds like Mississippi State, Georgia, probably going to be a go. And LSU at Arkansas sounds like it's probably going to be a go. I mean, we got three hours left for some sort of an adjustment. Which ultimately sounds like Ole Miss is going to be open this week and will now have an open date prior to the Egg Bowl. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Five o'clock hour coming up next. That's when we'll get to the college football fix. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Great to be with you on this Monday afternoon. A reminder that the C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a C Spire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. The IT experts at C Spire equip your organization with reliable high-speed internet and industry-leading VoIP phone systems, plus 24-7 local support so you can focus on your goals. They've got connectivity covered. See how C Spire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. Time for the College Football Fix. There it is. The College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Check out buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. And remember, the holiday sales event has begun. That means great savings on the full lineup of Fords, whether it's the Expedition, the Explorer, the F-150, the Super Duty, the Ranger, or more. You can save money, but you can only save money at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. So let's roll through not only what happened in the SEC, but some other college football scores of note from the weekend. The Florida Gators. So much for Kyle Pitts not playing and offensively them being hamstrung. Not really an issue. 63 points on the board by the Gators on Saturday night in Gainesville. Hey, Dad, did you watch some of that game? 
I did. I watched uh, most of it, you know, before the Ole Miss game came on, and then uh, I was I was flipping back and forth. And like I said during winners and losers, Trask just so sharp in that game. Borky, did you kind of flip back and forth on that one as well? Yeah, I had it on the other TV. Um, we're starting to learn. I said this going into the game. By the way, another undefeated weekend. Uh, so cash or check. I was getting there. Hold on. Um, but we're starting to learn that while Arkansas is schemed up well, there's a, a massive talent gap. We knew it going yep. into the season. They played above their heads, but now they're kind of showing you what everybody thought they were going to be. Now, Sam Pittman's still been impressive, and the schemes are great, and they play hard for their guy, but Jimmy's and Joe's come into account at some point, and we're seeing that now. Kyle Trask, 23 of 29, 356 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. For the year, Kyle Trask, 2,171 yards passing, 28 touchdowns, that's first in the country, and only three interceptions. Like I said, the side-by-side of his numbers versus Burroughs from a year ago is is pretty eye-opening. Yeah. Lane Kiffin said today, if not for the Arkansas game, and the fact that Ole Miss is 3-4, and I'm adding that parenthetically, that Matt Corral would be in the Heisman conversation. He's got great numbers. I mean, but when you, when, you, when you're a QB, yes, wins and losses is almost the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, Matt Corral for the year has thrown for twenty three hundred fifty nine yards. That's fifth best in the country. Twenty two touchdowns. That's tied for fourth. But he's got nine interceptions. Which, in case six you haven't heard day. of that, heard, heard this year, um, six in one game. Yeah, He's still, as of yesterday, with six interceptions in one game, number 11 in efficiency in college football. So yeah. he's got the yards and the touchdowns and then the efficiency piece of it as well. Borky, you said this would be the worst college football game ever to watch. Turned out really wasn't the case. Did Kentucky you watch it, 38. Vanderbilt 35. I watched some of it. It wasn't good. I watched it. It was it was two really bad teams who couldn't do anything. And so the other team would just sort of it, it, they weren't they weren't scoring a lot of points based on uh locked in offensive execution, shall we say. You know what's going to happen though? And it's going to be hilarious when it does. Vanderbilt's going to win one football game this year. Tennessee. That there there, there, there is there is a chance of that happening. I would agree with Ooh. that. They're five and three in their last eight against the Vols, and Vanderbilt honestly is trending up, and Tennessee doing the opposite. Only Vanderbilt is trending up in defeat. Yeah, <laughs> twenty-one to thirty-two, two hundred twenty-five yards, couple of touchdowns. Terry Wilson was efficient; didn't throw for many yards, only one hundred and ten, but he was thirteen of fifteen for one hundred ten yards and two touchdowns. Big day for Chris Rodriguez running the ball for Kentucky. He had one hundred forty-nine yards rushing. Keon Henry Brooks. 29 carries for 121 yards. Let me ask you this. Based on what you just said, feels like Vanderbilt kind of trending up a little bit, even though they're sitting there at 0-6. Freshman quarterback that has been okay. Keon Henry Brooks, a sophomore running back that's been pretty good at times. Could Vanderbilt's administration look at the program and go, okay, I, I get that we finished 1-9 and nine or that we finished 0-10, but 
But there was every reason in the world for this team to quit, and they did not quit on their head coach, and there are actually a couple of pieces coming back, and we think they could make a little progress next year. Could you see that? Possibly. Yeah, especially with their lack of desire to make moves in the way so, I mean, it is kind of like, what difference does it make if you fire him? Right. I mean, they're they're pounding their chest and celebrating that they're going to let uh, players' parents come to the final home games of the season. So, Jeez. All right. Um, from the Big Ten, Indiana 24, Michigan State zip. Sets up a top 10 matchup with Ohio State this weekend. Indiana's just good, period. They're just good. They're a good team. They're good. Things. They're not great, but they're they're good. The heartbreaking moment from that game: Tom Allen's son, Thomas Allen, pretty serious injury, and you got a real like glimpse of humanity. Head coach slash dad having to go out and hug his son and kiss him on the head and tell him that he loved him in the I middle of that game. Said it's the same injury Tua suffered last year mm-hmm. uh, that, that took him out of the Mississippi State game. <sighs> And then after that, you got to stay in coach. Exactly. You see your son get carted off, and then you have to go back to the sideline and finish the game. Yeah. By the way, Indiana, a three-touchdown underdog in Columbus this weekend as a top-ten I don't know if they'll team. win, but I bet they cover that. I just I feel like they would cover that. Maybe. Ohio State's great, but... Do you recognize the name of the best receiver for Indiana? From right in it, our backyard. It's Freifogel, right? It, yeah. It's Ty Freifogel. The son of former Ole Miss wide receiver Trey Freifogel. Yeah. Mississippi State doesn't need receivers. They certainly didn't miss anything letting that kid get out of state. Wisconsin beats Michigan 49-11. to And the score is not indicative of how bad that was. It should have been worse. What's his buyout? Because that's going to have to get paid. He's only got one year left on his contract. Get him out. I wonder if Michigan's starting to realize the kind of job that they are. Because uh, there are people that think that Michigan's a national college football job, that they should be competing for national championships. But what about them tells you that they should? Since 1998. Which is when they split a national title. I was talking about this on the podcast. We were were going to, like, Joel asked me who is the most overrated college football program. I said it's Michigan. You know, people want to say Notre Dame. But Notre Dame has played in the la- couple of college football playoffs. They've played in the uh, the BCS national championship game. They haven't been able to take that next step. But you know they're there year in year in and year out. Michigan can't even win its own division. No. And is is Bo Schembechler the most overrated coach in college football history? Yes. People act like he's up there with Bear Bryant and the rest of them. He doesn't even have a national title. Not one. Oregon beat Washington State forty three to twenty nine. Thought Bruce nailed that Washington State got up early and it was a struggle there for a while. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Washington or Oregon pulled away late. Joe Moorhead named offensive coordinator of the week by by some publication. It was Athlon and uh, was Athlon, okay. Salt in the wound, which there. I was surprised by though. Like, why is it not Jeff Levy? Good question. Like, I I love Joe and all, but come on. Maybe Joe Moorhead's pretty good at drawing up ball plays. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment. Without watching that that offense, I was just like, I have seen these plays, but that's what they look like when they get executed and and done correctly and called. You know, in, he's got better players. So in Hattiesburg on Saturday, 
Western Kentucky 10, Southern Miss 7. What year is it? Sheesh. And officially the news out today that Jack Abraham and Southern Miss have parted ways. Not that there was really anything left to tell on that story, but saw um, Patrick McGee, the Sun-Herald, had that story earlier today. Uh, Florida State falls to 2-6 and six on the year with a 38-22 loss to NC State. Not even news when they lose anymore. It's really not. It's really not. A couple of old Miss ties with those two head coaches. Both school wanted different circumstances yeah. why they're not there. That is a true statement, Michael Borky. True statement. Sports Talk Mississippi. scores from around the ACC over the weekend. Did you see what happened with Wake Forest and North Carolina? It was the opposite of USM and Western Kentucky. 59-53, North Carolina beat Wake Forest, outscoring them 28-8 in the fourth quarter. Going into, well, let's see, with six and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Wake Forest was ahead 45 to 24. It was 45-31 going into the fourth quarter. But on five straight possessions, North Carolina scored touchdowns, and they end up winning at 59-53. Borky, you said something in the break that I think maybe makes a little sense. Yeah, I can't help but wonder if uh, Phil Longo had his hands tied when he was the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. You think maybe there wasn't full autonomy to call oh. games the way he wanted to call them? There should oh, we're going to give Borky credit for saying that? Did you say it too? I said it last year. I said, about talking about Jackie Sherrill and how every year the offense looked the same. Yes, when the head coach has 51% of the vote, you can't always blame the offensive coordinator. Looks like Mac Brown's letting him do his deal. Yeah. Sam Howell was 32 of 45 for 550 yards and six touchdowns. Plus, he had a 20-yard rushing touchdown mixed in. That kid's good. All right, let's uh, let's revisit our picks from the weekend. Uh, we don't. Uh... Um, Vanderbilt was getting 17 and a half points against Kentucky. Arkansas was getting 17 and a half against Florida. South Carolina was getting 12 against Ole Miss. My picks were Vanderbilt, win, Arkansas, loss, and Ole Miss, win, 2-1. and one. Hey, Dad, took uh, Kentucky, loss. Florida. Teammate. Teammate, Dad. That was a win. Yeah. South Carolina, mm, loss. No iPad for Emily this week. She's just not getting it done. Michael Borke took the Vanderbilt Commodores. That was a win. Took the Florida Gators. That was a win. And he took Ole Miss. That was a win. Michael Borky goes 3-0. and nice. o, And he gets to 24-19 and 19 on the year. 
Richard goes two and one. He is twenty four and nineteen on the year. Hey, Dad goes one and two. He is seventeen and twenty six. Good weekend Michael for Michael. Borky has gone seven and zero in the last two weeks. And we were talking about it during one of the breaks. Pretty sure Michael won our ma- our Masters contest too. Did you add up the scores? I haven't yet, but only because I assumed I was the winner. Yeah, I looked and at not it Sunday in a condescending morning way. I mean, I, I had having having Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson. Yeah, it felt like yeah. you were going to win. Yeah, but I think you're probably right. I started kind of halfway adding the scores up last night, and I think you and I were closer than I really anticipated we were going well, to be. Because I had somebody miss the cut, right? Yeah. Did you? I think I had one missed cut. I'll have to go back and look. And then Cameron Champ kind of hurt you also, didn't he? Yeah, he struggled late. So I Oh, no, no, no. It's Kevin Kisner that hurt you. Kisner is the one that missed the cut. Didn't he miss the cut at plus eight? He shot... Uh, he was at five over. No, excuse me, two over. So he barely missed the cut. So he was at two over, so that counts as four over for the tournament. For our scoring purposes. Yeah, I had DJ at 20, Thomas at 12, Champ and Fleetwood at 6, Fitzpatrick at 1 over. So that's 32, 42, 44. Then you come back down to 40. So you're at 39, minus 39, right? That sounds right. And then my group was, i, I got to find that text message. This is not great live radio. I will give you that. While we're talking, while you're doing that, a little breaking news. I just got an uh, email from Mississippi State with uh, basketball seating. They are going to allow 25% capacity at the hump uh, to start the season. I'm surprised by that. Good. I'm surprised, though. Why are you surprised? Indoor event, you know, numbers tend to be seem to be going up. Oh well, the indoor events apparently you can have more people than the outdoor events, so. I just I think I thought it might be a I thought they might go without fans for 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 a little while, but apparently that's not the case. All right, Borky, have you got the leaderboard in front of you? I do. All right, so I had um, Rory, eleven, and Xander, uh, seven. So that's eighteen. Finau, Finau. Uh, I can't. One. So that's 19. Justin Rose. Um, Five. 24. Ian Poulter. Four. That's 28. And then Sebastian Munoz. He played well. Uh, Former Sanderson winner, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Six. So I got me to 34. Close. It was yeah, close. It, it, it did finish closer. Yeah, uh, many people say that the Sanderson is just uh, the best preparation for the Masters. You know, a lot of people <laughs> are talking about that. Might be uh, might be hard to argue with that. Well, hey, Dad's picks. I don't, e- I don't even know if it – I guess we could add Hey, Dad's up. He had DeChambeau yeah, and Kepka. Yeah. So Brooks and was then, at 10. He closed okay. really well. He DeChambeau did. was at 2. So that's 12. He had Matsuyama. Hideki, did he make the cut? Yes. Yeah, he played well. Early in the week. 
finished like seven, I think. He was at eight under. Okay. So I get you to 20, and then Tiger finished at minus one? Yes, minus one. Minus one. That's 21, and then Ricky Fowler and Danny Willett were the other two. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Obviously not not getting to 39. No. No. Uh, Fowler was at three. Willett was at four. So 31. Hey, Dad did not win a stake on that particular uh, competition. So I no. I won, and I had a guy miss the cut. Hmm. You picked Tiger the winner and the guy 10, that finished yeah. in the top five. <laughs> you know, I had to really that's think long and hard year. about picking the world that's, number that's one. That's what happened last year. I had Tiger and Kepka, and they finished first and third. I mean, if you get that, you're going to win. That's with me picking Mike Weir. He played well this week. Good Big news out of the NFL today. I think the biggest news out of the NFL today is the news surrounding Drew Brees. Multiple fractured ribs and a collapsed lung. The most optimistic scenario has him coming back in two to three weeks. The more likely scenario is the Saints are preparing for a longer time. But the question is, how long? Uh, There is hope that Drew Brees could return for the playoffs. So their schedule, the next four games are Jameis at quarterback winnable games. You have the Falcons at home. You go to Denver, who's playing really bad lately. You go to Philly, who will not have a single fan in the stands, and they're bad. And then you go to Atlanta. So those are the next four games. Those are all winnable football games, Jameis or no Jameis. But then it's Kansas City, Minnesota, in Charlotte. So those three games, far more difficult than the first four, and maybe that's the window you start looking at at getting him back. But, uh, man, I I wonder – so I I saw a doctor earlier say that, I mean, that injury for a typical quarterback is a little bit different than the 42-year-old quarterback. Yeah. The two broken ribs on his right side, three fractured ribs on his left side, two on the right, and possibly more, according to a source – The two broken ribs on the right side occurred in the first half of the Saints' win over the San Francisco 49ers, a game that Jameis Winston finished after Breeze determined he could not play in the second half because he was having difficulty breathing. The three fractured ribs on the left side are believed to have occurred in the game against Tampa Bay last week, though they did not show up on the x-ray performed at the time, possibly because of inflammation, but they were clearly seen on the CAT scan that was performed this morning. Doctors performing the evaluation believe the right side fractures might have punctured the quarterback's lung yesterday, creating a pneumothorax. That is what caused the difficulty breathing in the game and resulted in Drew letting Sean Payton know that he could not play in the second half. Again, the most optimistic uh, optimistic timetable for return is two to three weeks, but the people involved are prepared for it to be longer. That's according to ESPN's Dan Graziano. It will depend on how long Breeze's injury takes to heal, which varies from patient to patient, and when the Saints are convinced that he is able to take a hit without the risk of serious injury, there is hope that he will return in time for the playoffs. Whew. Sean Payton did not offer any updates on Drew Breeze's injury status or who might replace him at quarterback if he misses time this week. I have one forward. guess. Yeah. I'll give you two, but your first one doesn't count. 
Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll we'll be right back. Is a little higher. All right, what about yesterday in the NFL? You do have one game tonight, Monday Night Football, Soldier Field. Going to be chilly. Vikings and Bears. Vikings are three and five on the year. The Bears are five and four. We need to uh, do a Pearl River Resort pick of the day. It's brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. If you were in Philadelphia, maybe you were there this weekend to uh, meet and greet with Dominique Wilkins. Dominique was on the show with us last week. That was fun. I had a couple of people go, was that really Dominique Wilkins you talked to? I was like, yeah, it was. He's like, that's awesome. I said, it was pretty cool. Uh, we, we had an imposter. Yeah, well, that was fun. So the sports book at Timeout Lounge, Pearl River Resort, pick of the day. The Vikings are a three-point favorite tonight in Chicago. Total on the game is 44.5. Your quarterback matchup, Kirk Cousins and Nick Foles. Heck yeah, give me more of that. Porky, you're the one that's red hot right now. You get to make the pick. Uh, Not exactly on the NFL side of things, but uh, I do like Minnesota on the road. Okay. I know they're a three-point favorite. Um, I told you a few weeks ago the Bears were frauds. That was one of the few things I've gotten right lately. Uh, They absolutely are good defensively, inept, terrible offensively. The Vikings, a bunch of young guys. I, I mean... It was a few weeks ago when they said they're secondary, they're learning on the fly. I mean, almost all of them are just one-year or rookies in the NFL, very inexperienced group, and they're getting better every week. And now suddenly they're playing pretty good football. So I'll take the team that's trending up, even though they're on the road. Vikings, again, are a three-point favorite. Irv Smith is out tonight at tight end, the former Alabama tight end. Cam Dantzler, the former Mississippi State defensive back, is out. Also, Jordan Brayford out on the defensive line for Minnesota in terms of players out for Chicago. No John Jenkins at nose tackle. No Sherrick McManus at safety. A couple other guys questionable. We'll see. So Borky, not exactly a ringing endorsement, but he says Minnesota minus three on the road. That's your Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Yeah, I feel like I have a better feel of college games right now. I mean, not just because the results say that I do, but it for some reason it's been easier for me. I've had a hard time on the NFL side this year. I watched very little NFL yesterday. So we got a question earlier about Nick Chubb stepping out of bounds. Browns won 10-7 over the Houston Texans. Weather was not great in Cleveland. Did you see some of those videos? I did not, but I certainly saw the end of Sunday Night Football last night in New England where, gosh, whoo, I mean, it was blowing sideways at the end of that ballgame. I mean, Lamar Jackson trying to uh, engineer a come-from-behind game-winning drive from 90 yards away in that, forget about it. Um, and the Nick Chubb thing, so he broke off a long run, so they're obviously up three uh, inside of a minute to go, if I remember correctly. And he broke off 
a long run and stepped out at the one instead of scoring because there was no timeout. Um, oh, gosh. Who are they playing? I don't know. I'm the drawing Texans. The Texans, Texans. Uh, had no timeouts. So Baker Mayfield took two knees and ended the football game. So instead of scoring and then going through a kickoff and having to play defense for a little while and dealing with all that crap, Chubb just stepped out at the one. They took two knees, ends the football game. Which is fine. But that's not the same situation the Atlanta Falcons no. found themselves no. in a couple of weeks ago. If he goes into the end zone, at worst, even with a botched extra point, it becomes a two-score game with a minute to play. So well, I take the risk, though. I guess he learned from the other Georgia tailback. Basically, they they, they have a group text. I, I guess and Chubb and Swift and Michelle they all talk to each other. So ten seven Browns win it. Yeah, Lions the weather, the... Richard, the videos I referenced, during the National Anthem, so the game got delayed like an hour and a half. There's a video of somebody in one of the upper decks while the National Anthem is playing. And there's a gust of wind. So it's raining and there's a little bit of hail as well. <laughs> and the wind is blowing so bad, if you'd have told me it was a microburst tornado, I would have believed you. Just out of nowhere, the wind just brushes down on these people. People are having a hard time standing up, getting pelted with rain and hail, and as the singer finishes the anthem, they still yell and cheer because they're insane. But, yeah. If you have Cleveland minus heights, four, that's why. Yeah. If you had Cleveland minus four and a half, you're a little frustrated with Nick Chubb. Oh, yeah. Or if you're a fantasy owner. I mean, we're in the push for the playoffs in fantasy football. Yeah. You can't, uh, you can't be leaving points on the board like that. T- tough break there. Yeah. Uh, Detroit beats Washington 30-27. to Packers beat the Jags 24-20. Brutal weather game earlier. there as well. 35 degrees and raining. Yucky. It's like, could we just get it a little colder and have some snow instead of some rain, please? Might as well give me snow at that point. Um, Giants 27-17 over the Eagles. They pick up their third win of the year. Daniel Jones, 21 of 28, 244 yards. Not bad. Danny Dimes. The Bucks bounce back big and beat the Panthers 46-23. Tom Brady with three touchdown passes and 341 yards in the game. Raiders, no trouble with the Broncos, 37-12. Tua and the Dolphins win again. Twenty nine twenty one. Particularly well, though. He's Win- not winning is all that matters, and he is a rookie. That was his third start. Yep, but he hadn't, you know, jumped off the page or anything. Fifteen of twenty five, buck sixty nine, two touchdowns, no picks. Did not factor into the run game. And another tough loss for the Chargers. This was not a one-score game, so we can't add to that statistic from last week. Actually, it was a one-score game. Yes, sir. They lose by eight. That is another one-score loss for the L.A. Chargers. Rough. Was Cardinals-Bills the most entertaining game of the day? Had to be. Man, Josh Allen is the ultimate, no, 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 oh, yes, awesome quarterback you've ever seen. But the play How, was the Hail Mary at the end. All yes. He's all yes. Man. He made He's the right so choice. I, 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 I grinded him pretty good about that, about picking football over baseball. But, yeah, he made the right choice. 
He did it through the air and on the ground, 245 yards, a touchdown pass, picked off once, also had 11 carries for 61 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. He absolutely has a different gear when he's running it. Yeah. And it's smooth, too. Rams beat the Seahawks. That's a good win for the Rams. Saints beat the Niners. Steelers go to 9-0 with a 36-10 win over the Bengals. And then the Pats in Sunday night football last night went at 23-17 to get to 4-5 on the year. Don't look now, but Bill Belichick's team is not dead quite yet. You kind of saw this coming, right? I mean, we talked about it last week a little bit. and It's not like he played poorly, but this is the kind of thing and it's still early in his career, but this is the kind of thing that that we talked about last week uh, with Lamar Jackson. Is he a guy that is going to take his team to the next level? Patrick Mahomes is a young quarterback, too. And mm-hmm. if you're going to compare the two of them, you have to acknowledge that one of them repeatedly steps up and wins big games because he just does whatever it takes and is just magic. And... If you're going to be the person that thinks that Lamar Jackson is the next $50 million a year quarterback and all of this stuff, then explain this. Because this doesn't happen to Mahomes. And this is is third year now. This happens to Lamar Jackson. If you were trading and you could get Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, which would you take? Murray. Murray. By the way, the NFC West is really interesting all of a sudden. Cardinals, Rams, and Seahawks are all at 6-3. and three. And the team that went to the Super Bowl out of that division last year is sitting there at 4-6. and six. Poor Nick Mullins. Oh, my gosh. He was just in uh, every time he took a snap, it's like there was somebody in his face. The Saints defensive line right now is playing at an unbelievable level. Are the Steelers the best team in the NFL? I think so. Is that is that a dumb question? No, not a dumb no, question. No, it's not a dumb question. So. If if Breeze wasn't hurt, I would probably say the Saints. But with Breeze out now, for sure the Steelers are. Such a homer. It is what it is. The level. I mean, <laughs> did you watch? Did you watch them play in Tampa the other night? Got scored two touchdowns impressive. with a collapsed lung. Call me, call me crazy. He might be pretty good. Homer Schmomer. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.